Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. I know some of you, if not most of you, may have heard of the recent coronation of uh, King Charles. Praise God. And uh, for a few minutes, I was able to glimpse some of it yesterday. Um, I, I don't know why I wasn't caught up in the phase and the, and the excitement, but I don't know. I just kind of got tired, uh, not of a new king, but I guess I was worn out by the passing of Queen Elizabeth. That took a lot of energy out of me watching that. And so I said, let me just get the highlights. Praise God. So it was quite interesting because I don't think in my lifetime, at least, I've ever seen a coronation like that. I don't know how many of you were alive when Queen Elizabeth was coronated. Anybody here was alive at that time? Dating ourselves, but it's all right. Praise God. But I can tell you I was probably still sleeping. Praise the Lord. And, um, and so I was able to witness this event, this almost kind of a once-in-a-lifetime event, and it was quite, quite interesting, quite amazing, really, to see the level of detail. And I, I mean, I don't study this, and probably I should one day, but I'm sure they didn't miss a beat from history as to how things were done before them. They kept everything. They brought the same articles, the, the same tools, the same furnitures. You know, they just, they just cleaned it, maybe. Cleaned off the dust, but they brought it, they used it, and it looked like it was a glorious time. Praise the name of the Lord. $2 billion. Wow, that's a lot of money. Praise God. But I can tell you, you know, there is something much greater coming for all of us. Because in that coronation, you only saw a select few get a crown. I didn't see a whole lot of crowns being issued out. In fact, I saw two crowns go on two heads. But my Bible tells us that we one day will wear a crown. For those who will endure to the end, they will be saved. There is something that the church has to look forward to and understanding what we are seeing in this earthly realm is nothing compared to what God has in store. We thought we saw royalty. We haven't seen nothing yet. So if anything, that should be an indication how important it is for us to get aligned with the kingdom of God. And getting aligned with God's kingdom doesn't always mean it works always nicely in the process. There is a journey that God places us on. And if you're going to be in the kingdom of God, believe me, God has a call for your life. Can I, can I get an amen out of that? Praise God. Sometimes we come into church and we're just waiting for the next person to do the next thing, not realizing God may have his hand on your life. You know, we've been called ministers and priests for a reason because that is who God has made us to be. Praise the name of the Lord. In this message, which I don't think is long, at least in my perspective, praise God, but I believe that God has is, has challenged me, and I said, Lord, I, I, when I speak, I, I don't want to just speak for myself. I, I want your words to go to the people who are going to be there. And I believe that God has a word for us to encourage us. Praise God. Strength for the journey. 
strength for the journey is the message that I have for today. And this message is coming to us out of the book of 1 Kings chapter 19. Uh, and for those who are familiar with this uh, book, you will recognize that name Elijah. Elijah. And this, this prophet Elijah was a unique prophet because God used Elijah in an amazing way. We talk about, we were singing about how awesome God is. When God puts you on center stage and allows you to carry out some awesome work, it's hard not to marvel at how powerful and awesome our God is. And just a bit of context in this, in this chapter, you know, we're coming off a high end where we're entering uh, in this chapter 19, 1 Kings 19, in a different scene. But before we hit this scene, something amazing took place. Something incredible took place in Elijah's life. God used Elijah in an incredible way. He allowed Elijah to demonstrate the power of God in a moment. And while he was there demonstrating the power of God, those that were around and experiencing it had nothing else to respond but to worship God. Hallelujah. They worshiped God because of what they experienced. Here's the challenge today. That today it seems we need to see things to worship. We don't come ready to worship. I'm not saying all you are like that. I'm just saying there seems to be a tendency. I only move when I see or hear something good. But if it isn't the right music, if the key is off, if I don't like that person up there, I don't like what they're wearing, I ain't singing. Don't ask me to stand up. I'm tired. I've been working all week asking me to stand up and lift up my hand for what? You lift up your hand. But I say to myself, is that the type of spirit that God loves? That we have to be coerced and convinced and, and almost a demonstration has to happen for us to worship God? I'm telling you, there is power in worshiping God without being provoked. Hallelujah. You just have to think about how great God is. You just got to step outside and look outside at the earth and see everything he's created. And you just begin worshiping when you understand the God you serve. But in the case of those who were against Elijah, the Bible says that in the book of 1 Kings 18, I'm just doing a little backdrop first, that Elijah was confronted by a wicked king named Ahab. And his wife Jezebel. These two wicked kings in Israel were leading the children of Israel into idolatry. Into idol worship. They were encouraging the practice of, an, of, of, a, of a practice of a, a behavior that went against the laws of God. Leading the people into a place of destruction. And so God raised up Elijah. To be his spokesperson or his spokesman in that moment. Elijah was raised up to preach and to help the people who are God-fearing to be faithful to God. 
and to be a thorn in the side of those who did not want to submit to God. We are told in the book of, 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 of Kings, 1 Kings chapter 18, that there was, a, they, there was a contest that took place on the Mount Carmel where the Bible says that Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal. He challenged those prophets that they would, with their power, call down Baal to consume an offering on the top of a mountain. And the contest was that whosoever's God was able to consume this offering, that is who we would worship. So for those who have read the scriptures, you know what happened. Elijah said, you know what, I'll let you guys go first. So they built the altar, made it beautiful. They put their sacrifices on it, and they began their chants. They began their dancing. They began calling on every spirit they can call on to get a response. And the 450 of them continued with this to no avail. And Elijah, being Elijah with a personality and humor, said, you know what? Maybe your God went to the washroom. Maybe he's just relieving himself. But if you just shout a little louder, if you dance a little harder, if, if you just make a little more noise, certainly he'll hear you. The Bible said they did that. Not only did they do that, but they began to cut themselves even more. The Bible said blood was gushing out of their hands and out of the, pers the places where they cut. And nothing happened. Quiet. Kind of like how it is when you first start service here. Quiet. You got to pump people to praise. Quiet. But Elijah said, all right, let me, let me try. The Bible says Elijah reconstructed the altar. He made it as it was before, but he upped the ante. The Bible says he poured water on the sacrifice. He did everything opposite to what you would want to do for a sacrifice to lit up. But the Bible said as he did this, Elijah prayed a simple prayer. A simple prayer. And Elijah couldn't even get true to prayer where the fire of God fell. And consumed everything. Not only the water was licked up. The stones were licked up. The sacrifice was licked up. Everything around that altar was burnt. Ashes. And the people responded by what? Worshiping God. This is the God. This is the God. Elijah said if this is the God. Let's destroy these false prophets. So 450 of them were slaughtered in that one moment. Elijah stood king of the hill on Mount Carmel. He was the king of the hill. But something changed. Something happened in the next chapter where my focus is for this message. And it reads, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, 
So let the gods do to me and more also. If I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life. For I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time. And touched him and said, arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank. And he went in the strength of that food 40 days. Someone say 40 days. And 40 nights. Someone say 40 nights. As far as Horeb, the mountain of God. Hallelujah. What? A change of events from going from king of the hill to king of the run. He was running for his life. He was running for his life over a threat from a woman who promised, who vowed that by this time tomorrow, you're a dead man. As I read that, I wondered what can cause Elijah, who just called down fire, in such a demonstrative way to run from a woman who has not proven herself to be anything other than a person who loves to kill other people. I said to myself, what happened, Elijah? But the Lord's helped me to understand as I go through this, you know what? What happens to Elijah happens to all of us. We go through a seasons of high. We get a breakthrough in our life. We get the job we wanted. We found the right person. We did everything that came our way, and we start dancing. We're on a different cloud now. But when the adversity comes, when the challenge comes, when we are in a place we have never been before, when the attention is on us to destroy us, we step back. We completely forget where we were coming from. We forget who brought us out of what we were just in. And we cower and we run. We run for our lives. We run for our lives. When we look at where Elijah found himself, it's amazing that Elijah was running back to ground zero. He was running back to a place where it all started for the children of Israel. It's amazing because you notice that even the angel doesn't tell us where Elijah's going. All the angel says, you need to eat. You need to drink. 
because the journey is long and you need strength for the journey. Wherever you're going, Elijah, you're going to need help. And I can tell you that it was the Lord that sent that angel. It is the Lord that sent that help for Elijah. Church, I'm here to say some of us have been in that place, are probably in that place too. Where we've wandered off from where God has placed us. And we are completely in a place we've never been. Yet for whatever reason, help is coming. A word comes. Somebody drops something in your inbox. You see someone you haven't, and they give you, something is changing. But for Elijah, his direction was still as far away from Jezebel as possible. It's amazing because when you look at Elijah's steps and the children of Israel with Moses, they had the similar type of experience because they too were in the wilderness. The Bible says that Elijah was wandering away from Jezebel for 40 days and 40 nights. The children of Israel wandered how long, church? 40 years. Day and night. As many days as are in a year. That's how long they wandered. And it, it seemed that God, when he allowed the children of Israel to wander that long, every year was a lesson being taught. We know they wandered because of judgment that was, was issued on them. But we also know that God was also teaching them something. And it was no different for Elijah. You know why? Because when you do the math, where Elijah was leaving, which was Beersheba, it only takes 14 days to get there. It takes 14 days as a walk to get to where he ended up. But it was 40 days that he spent on that journey. And that journey was spent because God was teaching Elijah something. God was revealing something to Elijah. And one of the main things we begin to understand is that God is a sustainer. God will sustain you no matter your climate. The Bible says, as the children of Israel wandered for 40 years, not one piece of article of clothing was ever worn. Their shoes, they never had to replace them. Nothing was worn. You know what else happened? The Bible said that the children of Israel were sustained by manna that came from heaven. Right? And, and, and with meat, they were sustained. And with water in the wilderness, God still provided and even for Elijah, God did the same thing for him to allow him to be able to sustain for that journey that he was heading on. Hallelujah. Heading to the mountain of God. Heading to that place where God made the covenant with Moses and the people. Heading to the place where the people encountered God like they never encountered him before. Yes, the Bible says that the children of Israel saw an amazing demonstration. You remember what happened? The water. You remember what happened with the Red Sea? You remember the pillar of fire that guided them and the cloud that guided them? 
That was a demonstration of the power of God. But what happened when they got on the other side? They began to complain. They began to murmur. And what do they want to do? Go back to Egypt. Go back to their own ground, ground zero. They wanted to go back. And Elijah was doing a similar thing. He was going back. He was going back to where God brought them out of. God didn't want the children of Israel living in the wilderness. The mountain of God was an experience for them so that they might know the God they are serving. That they might understand who it is that is raising them up. God wanted the children of Israel to know his ways. And so it was. The Bible says this. That as Elijah wandered beyond Beersheba, that he found himself at the Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. And in verse 9 of 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9 it reads, And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? I wonder how many times God has asked us that question. We're at a place that he did not send us. I didn't send you there. Why are you here? I didn't, I didn't tell you to go there. And you have to be very sensitive here because up until that point, God was always giving direction where Elijah's next mission was. So Elijah never had to do guesswork. The Spirit of God gave him direction. But for this reason, which was for fear, Elijah ran back to the mountain of God. Back to a place where it all began for the children of Israel. Where it began, that relationship and that covenant. And it reads on in verse 10. As Elijah responds to God, he says, so he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, God of hosts, for the children of Israel and have forsaken and, and for sorry of Israel for for Israel have forsaken your covenant and torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. In other words, Elijah was saying, I'm alone here, God. I'm on a mission. I've been so zealous for you. I've been coming to church faithfully. I'm the first one to leave, the first one to get here, the last one to leave. I'm always putting in overtime. I'm serving. I'm helping your people. But it seems I'm the one that's getting attacked. My name is on the dartboard for destruction. I am being sought after for my life to be destroyed. Elijah saw himself as the lone ranger. Hallelujah. Where is everybody when we need help? It just seems to be me, Elijah was saying. I'm alone. Has anyone ever been alone before? 
Have you ever been alone? And let me say it better than that. Have you ever felt that you are the only one serving God in your situation? You're the only Christian. Everyone's cussing around you. You're the only one. You know, you want to be a light, but it's, it's hard because it seems like if you're not like them, they just kind of make you feel bad. The only person that lifts up their hands to say they go to church. In fact, your hands is like this. You know, you, 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 you don't want to be the, that guy or that girl. You know what I mean? You, I'm the, God, I'm the only one here. I've, there's nobody here. I've, how can I live for you? How can I, I'm, I, I love you, God, but I'm alone. I'm scared. You heard the threats they gave? They're good. They don't want Christians in this school. They, they don't want us talking about you, God. I, I can't go there. I can't talk about you, God. I'm sorry. I'm just, uh, Elijah came to the place, and I kind of overstepped this part, that Elijah, before he even getting to the Mount of Horeb, do you hear what he said? He said, God, just take me out of here. Take my life. Kill me, is what he said. Because I'm no better than my father's. You know, as I saw King Charles sitting there in that chair. And King Charles, if you're watching this sermon, so I apologize if I get this wrong. But I saw something in King Charles as I looked at him fidgeting in all those garments. I saw something in his eyes. And it was almost a spirit of intimidation and fear. Why? Because everything about what he was going through right at that moment was going to be compared to his mom. He was literally standing in the shadow of his mom who kept the kingdom going for as long through so much. She stood solid and she didn't waver. And here you have a new king coming that is now going to be measured against everything his mom did. Is he able to keep the kingdom together? Is he able to outlast? Is he able to, all those things. And I'm thinking, my God, it's amazing how we love to compare ourselves. Elijah was comparing himself to the prophets before him. Because they stood up and they were good at what they did, but he saw himself as a failure. Even though he called down fire from heaven, Elijah felt like a failure. He felt like he failed God. He wasn't worthy of God's love anymore. And if he's not worthy of God's love, what's his point of living? If God doesn't want to use you, he'll get rid of you. So Elijah was just saying, God, just do it. You know I'm, I'm useless here. Hallelujah. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I know there are times where we feel that whatever we have to offer God doesn't seem to be good enough. I don't sound as good as that person. I don't sing as good as that person. I can't talk as good as that person. All the while, God is telling you, can't you see how I've been using you before? The dangerous thing on church, let me say this. Discouragement is one of the most dangerous type of spirits to have. Be disappointed, but never be discouraged. 
Because when you reach a place of discouragement, you don't see nothing else but death. It's the only way out. And Elijah was discouraged. He said, take my life. I'm done. I can't, Lord. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm alone. And now my life, even though I'm doing everything you want me to do, living for you is too hard. You want me to be a Christian when everybody was trying to kill Christians? You want me to witness, but you know it's against the law. What do you want from me, God? I can't do this. Hallelujah. I'm here to say that we serve an amazing God. What a father. Our God is so amazing. And what makes God amazing is his responses. Right? Right now you're looking at a screen. And on this screen it says strength for the journey. But what you may not know, this is exactly the cave that Elijah was staring out of. He was in that cave when God spoke to him and said, Elijah, why are you here? And Elijah gave him the reason. I'm alone. I've been so faithful to you. But somebody wants to kill me, God. Nobody wants to worship you. Everyone has given up and deserted. But I'm the only one. God tells Elijah, come to the opening of the cave that you're in. And the Bible says that a wind passes by and rents the rocks. Then a fire comes down and burns mightily. Then an earthquake shakes the whole place where things are just moving out of place. In all of those demonstrations by God, Elijah didn't even flinch. You and I would have probably ran back into the cave. But the Bible says Elijah stood at the mouth of the cave watching this great demonstration. Wow, yeah, rock, wind. Okay, God, thanks. <laughs> the Bible says he goes back into the cave. How do you know that? Because the Bible says after those demonstrations, Elijah said there's nothing here. There's nothing here. But the moment Elijah hears a whisper, he puts his cloak over his face and begins to walk to the edge of that cave. A whisper causes Elijah to tighten up because he knew that's the voice of God. Sometimes we're waiting for the big bang to happen, church. We're waiting for the big shout, the big dance. <laughs> and all of that, God ain't even dear. It's a good foot cut and rug dance, buddy. But God wasn't there. You know where God was? He was in the message he was speaking. Right? That's where he was. This is the after party. But the message was before. And Elijah heard the same message. Why are you here? In a voice that he knew was God. And Elijah, how does he respond? The exact same way. What does that tell us? 
even though Elijah saw the great demonstrations, even though he saw the great miracles, he still felt the same. He felt like a loser. You can pump somebody up and cause them in your eye to think that they are on the same page. They're just leaving the same way they came. Because if they don't hear a word from God, they won't be transformed. I love good music. Someone was talking about music in the beginning. I love to move my body too when the music sounds good. But if God ain't in that and I miss his very word, what was the point? Elijah understood that there is a certain way that God speaks to us. And it's a way that is not going to cause us to feel like we're going to be beaten up. It's a peaceful way. It's a gentle way. A gentle impression. You need to respond here. You need to apologize to that person. You need to repent for what you just did. You feel that impression. You need to humble yourself. You need to walk closer to me. You need to get rid of your pride. Your ego is way too high. You need to be bold for me. Those are the gentle impressions that God leaves on us. And then he waits for us to respond. What was unique about Elijah's situation was how God responded the second time. God didn't say the same thing. He responded differently this time. He didn't rebuke Elijah. He didn't say, Elijah, didn't you remember what I did for you? Why are you cowering from this woman? What's wrong with you? Are you just called down? He didn't say none of that. The Bible says he just recommissions Elijah to go back where he came. Continue the ministry. I put you here. Go continue the ministry. He encourages Elijah. Why? Because he tells them, keep going. Keep going. Keep moving forward. You feel like you're alone? Here's my word of encouragement. You're not alone, Elijah. I got over 7,000 people who have not bowed their knee to Baal. You're not alone, Elijah. Keep going. Keep going, my brother. Keep going, my sister. You've come this far. Finish your ministry. Keep moving. I hear the spirit of God saying to the generation of believers, keep living for him. Keep being faithful. Keep faithful. Keep faithful. Keep giving. Keep praying. Don't stop praying for your loved one. Keep doing it. You're not seeing anything right now. Keep praying. Keep pressing. Keep moving forward. I'm going to give you strength for the journey. Musicians come. Praise and worship team come. I'm going to give you strength for the journey. You're not done, Elijah. You feel like you're alone. Because serving me, that's how it sometimes feels. The Bible says if we're going to come after God, we have to deny our own self and take up our own cross. That means we have our own cross to bear. We have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. But God's word to us, I am going to give you strength for the journey. 
what I began in your life, I will finish it. You don't tell me when it's done. God told Elijah, I will let you know when it's done. You just keep living for me. Let's stand together. God recommissions Elijah. God reaffirms his commitment to the purpose of Elijah's life by setting him back to set things in order for him, to put things in the right business for him. God knew exactly the breaking point of Elijah, but God was also able to give him strength even in his weakness. Hallelujah. I can't tell you, church, because I don't know the number of how many leaders, how many faithful people have committed suicide. They don't tell you this. They don't want to scare you. You thought they were on par. They were moving. But everything inside was saying something different. They were dying inside from a pressure. They felt that they weren't living to the potential of those who were before them. They were busy comparing their lives and saying, I'm no good. I'm no good from those who came before me. I'm a failure. But they overlooked how many things God has used them for. Hallelujah. I don't know who this message is for. Perhaps this message is for the future you who may find yourself in the same place of Elijah, who God has used for a great work. When you give your life to God, you open him up to use you. But you also have to understand being used by God means also adversity will come. We cannot pretend that we don't go through things, church. Not because I've been born again of the water and the spirit that I'm not going to go through adversity. There will be things that will try our faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There will be things that will try us. But can we be encouraged that we are not alone in our mission in the kingdom of God? There will be oppositions to truth. They're banning us from speaking what is right. They're wanting us to bow down to false ideologies, to bend our knees to beliefs that are unscriptural. They want us to give in to a truth that is a lie. But for those who stand for what is right, they are persecuted. They are ridiculed. They are mocked to the point of shame. But can I encourage you that you are more than the majority here? Hallelujah. Someone ought to get excited about that. You are more than the majority. Because if God is for you, who can be against you? If God is in your corner, that is all you need. He will send you strength. He will send you encouragement. But we must be faithful to God. Hallelujah. We must be faithful to the plan God has for our lives. We have to see our lives the way God does. We are his vessel.
The Bible says we become the vessel of God. Your body no longer belongs to you. It belongs to God. And his word is that he is going to sanctify you. He is going to make you great for him. He's going to do great exploits through your life. Because you've yielded even in the midst of adversity. Hallelujah. In our New Testament, as I'm closing this, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10, Paul understands what it means to be chased down for death. And I don't have to even talk about Paul. There are still modern-day believers that you probably haven't heard about that are being hunted like dogs because of their faith. But here's what Paul says. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the, the light of the gospel of the glorious glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves your bond servant for Jesus' sake. For it is God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He's saying as a believer, you are the light for someone to see the way to God. The light of the gospel leads people to God. But here's what he says in, in closing, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. What is that saying, Elijah? I'm telling you, you are weak, but I'm strong. I'm showing you this. So that you know it wasn't you that did this great work. It was me all the time. I sent you there knowing that you didn't have the ability, but I empowered you. And the same thing for you as a believer. You have a belief, but your, 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 your vessel is earthen. If a hammer hits your arm, it's broken. If someone shoots you, you're going to believe. But God is saying, I'm demonstrating my power so that you know when you do great things in your weak body, it was because of me. Here is how he closes it in verse 8, the last verse. Sorry, last two verses coming. We are hard pressed on every side. Hear this. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair. We're persecuted, hear this, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. 
always caring about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life, hallelujah, that the life of Jesus also be made manifested in our body. Hallelujah. You are not alone. You're not alone. Young teenager, you're not alone for believing in God. You feel like you're the only Christian. You are not alone. You just need to stand. You just need to be faithful. Parent, you may feel you're alone in raising your children. You're not alone. It's hard, but you're not alone. Be faithful. Be faithful. Man of God, you're a spiritual leader, but yet you are attacked all the time. Hallelujah. 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 Your self-esteem is crushed because you're trying to be something you're not when God is saying, be what I called you to be. Stop trying to be like everybody else. You're not alone. Live for me. Hallelujah. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not forsaken. Hallelujah. I'm here to encourage somebody. You can live for God in this generation. You can teach a Bible study. You can lead your friends to the Lord. You have family members that are not living for God. You can be a light for them. They may ridicule you at every family event, but you are not alone. You are not alone. Let the light of Christ shine in you. They may threaten you on the job. They may intimidate you, forcing you to agree to things you know are unbiblical. You are not alone. Stand for God. They may threaten your job. You're not alone. Be faithful to God. Trust Him. He goes before us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Hallelujah. If you're in this house and you have struggled, hallelujah, with your own walk with God, you might be the only believer in your house. You're the only Christian living in a home of people who do not believe in God. I want you to come. I want to pray over you to encourage you. You might be the only person showing up for Bible study. You want to start a, a, a Bible study in your school, but there's nobody else. You're not alone. We can encourage you here. You're not alone. God is with you. As he was with Elijah, as he was with Moses, as he was with David, as he was with the prophets, with Matthew and Mark, as he was with them, he is with you. You're not alone. Would you come? We want to pray with you. The journey for you is still long, and you need to be strengthened. We still have a, a purpose God has. But we have to keep on the journey. Can we pray with you? Can we encourage you? 
Hallelujah. As the praise and worship team sings. This altar is open. God is saying, I am going before you. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to encourage you. You might feel you're alone. You're alone, but you're not alone. God is with you. Can we pray with you? Can we pray over your life? Can we encourage you? Hallelujah. Single parent, can we pray with you? Hallelujah. You might be going through some things, financially struggling. You're not alone. God is going to help you. God is going to see you through. He will order your steps. Don't give up. Don't compromise. Don't be like those who stopped coming to God with their problems because they didn't get the answer.